who, who speaks in metaphors and is like, I, I need some illustration to help me get this point. And so the counselor speaks in that language. Today we're going to look in the Bible. And we're going to take a, we're going to take a glimpse of Paul as he, as he is objective. He says, look, I'm not going to apologize. I'm all about the gospel. In my relationships, my focus is the gospel. But guess what? I will, I will bring the gospel in a manner that connects with where people are at. Would you please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And if, it's in, if you're in one of the, the Bibles that has the bigger letters on it, um, that's 1,780. And if you need a Bible, Steph, would you mind helping a couple people out? If you need a Bible, could you please raise your hand and we'll bring a Bible to you? Amina, you mind helping out a couple people, please? Thank you. We're going to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And we'll be looking at verses 19 through 23. And it reads, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak. To win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I might share in its blessings. So what's going on here? So Paul is interacting with the church in Corinth. And one of the, one of the issues that the church has is, Paul, you're this great man. You're a man of God. You're an apostle, one that we revere. We are to imitate our church and even our lifestyles after you as you imitate your lifestyle after Christ. And they say, Paul, we have an issue. The issue is this. You seem like a hypocrite. You see, with the Jews, you act one way. And with the Gentiles, you act another. What's up with that? If, if, you, if you are really a God-centered man, you'll be consistent with everyone. Treat everyone exactly the same. And so that's the backdrop that Paul is writing to. That's the, that's the scenario you enter into here. And he starts by saying, first, let, let, let me set the stage. You see, during that time, people would manipulate one another because they, because they owed debt. And so let's say you were my counselor. <laughs> if I paid you, well, you couldn't really speak too, too, with too much truth in my life because I just paid you. 
And so now because you owe me it, because there's a debt there, because you have to work off what the money I've just given you, you can't really be too honest. So Paul's setting the stage, look, y'all ain't gave me nothing. No money. There's, there's nothing that holds me back from being able to be totally honest, totally about the gospel, totally free. And one of the reasons why we're even approaching this text is so that you guys, through us unpacking this text today, will feel free to be who God has made you in every walk of this community. Whether you're in this building, outside of this building, that you will be free to be who God has made you for the sake of the gospel. And so he says, hey, I didn't receive pay. There's no financial obligation. There's no, there's no, you know, no chance that you might manipulate me. But also there's no favoritism, no partiality. He says, I'm a slave to everyone. I'm free to serve all. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says this, because that, that, is, that is where Paul is, is gathering this desire to be a servant to all. He's gathering it from our, our Lord and Savior, Jesus. He says in Philippians 2, 5 through 8, in your relationships with, with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You see, Christ came as a servant. So Paul is saying, just as he came to serve, I'm going to come to serve. No money, no debt, but I now relinquish my freedom for the sake of being able to serve all. All with an end goal in mind. To win as many as possible. You see, he's not saying I relinquish my freedom so that I can have my, my, you know, get some accolades so I can look tight in the community, so I can be known as the, the great servant among all of you. I do it so that there may be, so that you may experience the kingdom. There's an eternal reason and why his mind is set on this. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. So what's going on there, Lee? That's a little tongue twister, huh? Who can say that fast ten times? The, the issue of being like a Jew is one in conduct and dialogue. You know, if, if Jews, Jews have a certain lifestyle, we eat certain foods, we don't eat certain foods, we touch certain things, don't touch certain things. So what Paul is saying is, look, for the gospel, I'll enter into that. I'll enter into that. But... You said earlier for us to be ourselves and be free. One second, one second. You said for us to be free, to be ourselves or whatever. 
I've looked at that before and not understood it and want to mm -hmm. know, um, do you know the term of being a chameleon? You know, like you're this way with this person, you're mm -hmm. this way with that person. Mm -hmm. it, I know that's not what it's saying. Mm -hmm. So how is it not saying to be a chameleon? Great question. Give me about 20 more minutes. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, great question. <laughs> great question. It says, how is it not to be a chameleon? And, and, and in essence, almost not to be fake. You know, like, hey, let me try to be Mr. Cool here and then be Mr. Miss Cool there. Like, we're, we're going to unpack that. And so, what is, and so to be a Jew, there's these different levels of conduct, different ways that you go about life. But Paul is saying those don't really matter. They, they actually don't matter at all. Those are choices that you make as a person, but they have no bearing on the gospel. And actually, if you make it a gospel issue is when Paul gets quite angry. If you say that in order to be saved, a person has to be circumcised, he gets quite angry. If you say that in order to be a Christian, you can't eat certain food, he gets quite angry. But if you choose to delight in those things and choose to do that while recognizing it's not a gospel issue, Paul celebrates and he says, hey, I'll do it too. Look here in 1 Corinthians 7, he says, was a man already circumcised when he was called? He should not become uncircumcised. Was a man uncircumcised when he was called? He should not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. He's basically saying these are these are ways that you choose to do life, but they have no bearing on whether you are a Christian, whether you are a believer. So don't make it be, don't make it a gospel issue when it's not. Therefore, if it's not a gospel issue, you have great freedom. Great freedom. And the issue that, that, that becomes really difficult for freedom, it becomes really difficult for people who want to have rules. We want to put rules on others or on ourselves. So we'll say, hey, if you really love Jesus, then you'll wear nice clothing to church. Because that means that you're giving God his best. And so if you don't have on a suit... How dare you come into church walls? Is, is that a gospel issue? I, I, I hope not, because all y'all, nobody even is, only Brother James in a suit. <laughs> you know, like, it, it, but, but do you see how subtly it becomes a gospel issue? Now your clothing has bearing on your Christianity. What do you think Paul would say? Would Paul, would Paul care about your clothing? See, I'm with a bunch of young people in here, but we, we have we, we have issues, too. Everybody in here is rocking T-shirts and stuff, flip-flops. What, what's some of the norms that we begin to set, though? What's some of the things that we can begin to make a rule and attach that rule to the gospel? So Paul is saying, hey, if it's not a gospel issue, you have great freedom. And don't, what I, what I want our people, everybody, is not to feel pressured to conform to those different rules. You know, um, black people, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna come in here and there's going to be a lot of white people and you're going to feel pressured 
to want to be around your people because being around black people, I don't, I don't know what the, basically people will say, why are you with all them white people? That's not church. That's not the church you grew up in. That's not the environment you grew up in. Because you're almost taught, you, you barely do life together, you definitely don't worship together. Let's look, if, if I can be honest. And so, and so but, but is that a gospel issue or is that a preference? Does that have bearing on you being, if, if you're getting fed here, if you're growing here, if God's doing things in your life here, is that a gospel issue or is that a preference? White, mobile, stable, whoever, people coming from other places. When everyone says you're crazy for moving to Detroit, why would you do that? Christians don't need to do all that. You can, you can love those, you can go down and serve people and just come back, do it periodically, that's enough. When people tell you that you're being too radical and they make it a safety issue, you're crazy. Why would you put yourself in a community where crime happens? You're not being a good steward. Stewardship is a God-centered thing. So now they're, now they're equating your ability to serve and love the Lord well with where you choose to live. Friendships, who you'll do life with. You know, one, one of the things I love, I was talking to Matthew, and um, I, I, had given a, I gave a, an example about being the only black person, a white person, like some time ago. Matthew said that uh, Ken called him up. They went over to a barbecue. He was like, man, that was the first time in a while. And I was like, the only white person there. <laughs> I just thought, man, that's just such a, such a great example of the gospel, man. Were you like, I do life with this brother. Come on, this is what we do. Like, like will our friendships even be guided by preference? So to the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. Law and not under the law. He's saying here that I freely chose to be a slave for the sake of the gospel. I wasn't forced. I want to lay down my rights so that others may come to know the Lord. But, it, but, but I'm not lawless in the sense that, I, that I'm not still under the lordship and under the submission of Christ. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a, a, a free will to do whatever I want. But those rules, that, that, that system of religion, those choices of what I can eat and what I can't eat, that doesn't bind me. I'm free. I'm free. And as, you, and as I keep saying freedom, and I keep talking about law, I want you guys to be thinking like, man, like, okay, Lord, am I, am I free to interact with all environments? Am I free to interact with all groups? Am I free to do life with people in multiple venues for the sake of the gospel? 
Because I know I'm free to do to do those things for the sake of myself, right? Like I got my sports buddies and we talk sports. And I've got my intellectual buddies and we talk books and politics and theology. And I've got my servant buddies who are real compassionate. So we go out and clean up the alley in West Village. What does it look like, though, to be free, to be gospel-centered in all three of those? You see, that's the point that Paul is getting to. He's saying, look, you might have a different flavor in each, and that's okay. But because it's rooted in, in the heart and the focus of you advancing the gospel, there's great consistency, consistency there. saying, don't judge a book by its cover or this apostle by its conduct. I observe the law because of its power to proclaim the gospel. They observe because of their pursuit of perfection. So, so, so if, you're, if you're one of these people from Corinth, right, and you're looking at Paul, and you look over and you see Paul eating with the Jews, what's, what's different about Paul than the Jews? If you're, if you're a Gentile, a person who, 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 who doesn't observe the law in the same way that the Jews do, and you look up and you see Paul having a meal, a kosher meal with the Jews, what's different about Paul than the Jews? Jesus, yeah, but, but, but do you see Jesus? Good, I mean, good answer. But, but someone gave an answer. Huh? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Great answer. And, and what, he's trying, what he's trying to get to is that, hey, like, if, if you judge me by my conduct, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. Because I don't, I don't do life with people and adjust my conduct to try to be cool and fit in. You see, that's where the chameleon part comes in, because your goal is focused on the individual. Hey, he's cool, so let me try to be cool. Paul's focus is, hey, the gospel is real. I want this person to experience the gospel. So what are traits that I could use to elevate the gospel? See, it's different when you start with a person. Because when you start with a person, the gospel is secondary. So you'll say, mm, might not think I'm as cool. Mm, might be offended. Mm, um... This, this, this situation might get a little awkward. So maybe I'll bring the Jesus in 10 conversations down. We got to do about 12 barbecues before we can bring up Christ. But see, Paul is saying, I, I already know in goal connecting with Jesus. So we can do the kosher meal. Let's grow up. We can, we, can, we can interact in some of the ways that you're used to, some of the norms by which you do life. That's fine. But, but he's saying to the Corinthians, I'm not going to stop caring for these people in this way because you don't like it. What you think of me doesn't stop me advancing the gospel. Does it stop you? Does what people think of you stop you advancing the gospel? 
whether it's your friends, church members, whether it's whether it's even the person that you're going to go talk to. Yeah, I'm a pastor. It, it, it sometimes cripples me with fear. With fear. I'm like, uh, okay, I should talk to this person about the Lord. But man, when I bring it up, it's going to come out of nowhere. I'm going to look like a jerk. Okay, here we, here we go. You know, and, and, and there's so many reasons that you begin to think of why this isn't going to work. Or why, why this person won't be responsive. But what Paul is saying is, the gospel is so real to me. And I want someone else to experience it so badly. That I want to operate in a way where nothing hinders that. And that I can take hold of the culture that a person gives me to advance the kingdom. See, it's different when you're trying to use it for your own means. It's even different when you want to fill in a little bit of yourself. He's saying, I already know the norms within this culture. Why wouldn't I use it to my advantage for the kingdom? It's not mockery. It's not mimicking. It's engaging. And there's, there's, there's definitely a big difference. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. So again, those Jewish rules. He's not lawless. He's still under Christ's law. But a question that we've got to ask is, is so Paul was blessed to have been raised up like... You know, Jew of the Jews. I mean, this brother knew the Jewish culture well. He began to persecute Christians, but he also learned the Gentile culture well. I guess my question is, I know it's probably easy for you to be able to think of how to care for people that are similar to you. But how do you engage with people who are different? It's 12.15. I got a little bit of time. I'm going to actually let you guys answer. How do you engage and learn about a culture that's different than yours? And culture doesn't mean black and white. Like, you might have a culture of white people and you're white that's just different from you on your block. Black and you're black that's different. It doesn't mean simply color or age. There's so many different genres of culture but how do we go about engaging culture or getting to know a culture different than our own? Sister Betty? Um, our daughters in the United States. Oh, sorry. No. <laughs> our daughters um, with the United States Marine Corps married now to a sergeant and she's out. And that's a culture. Mm. That is a culture. Mm -hmm. And they're tight. Mm -hmm. And entering that culture, I, I lived with them for two months. And Showing respect, showing appreciation, mm. and asking questions, mm. and not coming in with my agenda like you're not acting like the kind of mom from you know my neck of the woods. Mm -hmm. the, these gals, because I hung around the gals, they network. They they have to live life mm. so different. Mm -hmm. So I think starting with the respect mm -hmm. and and being humble, mm -hmm. you know, and then asking questions to learn. Mm. Um, that, mm -hmm. That's what came to mind. That's great. That's great. 
being respectful of the other culture, asking questions to learn, being humble. Doesn't it seem, yeah, go ahead, bro. Yeah, I'm going to kind of go along with that, because having lived cross-culturally for four years you know, in Latin America, you have to learn to realize just because something's different or done a different way doesn't mean it's wrong. Mm-hmm. And just because they think differently, slightly about something doesn't mean it's wrong, because mm-hmm. every culture processes through things differently yeah. and does things differently and interacts with each other differently, and they have different... Uh, things that are important to them that might not be important to us. Mm-hmm. And then so you start ha- have to learn, well, how can I make that important to me when I'm around them? Or how can I at least respect that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the frustrations I had moving to Detroit was that uh, we tried to find a house and we look online and I'm like, man, seems like a lot of houses online. Man, it was like 10% of all homes sold are online or something. Like, so how do you find a house? People connect with people. It, it, it's a different way, but I tell you, the more I'm connected to my neighbors, the more I know homes being sold in the community. I don't know how it happens, but Miss Watkins tells Miss Miss J, and before you know it, like there's this plethora, and is not using the internet wrong? Not at all. People's houses still getting sold. But I, but, I, but I thought that that difference was a right and wrong. And you're right, brother. It's, it's different. It's not wrong. I think it is because I left Detroit when I was nine. I didn't travel, you know, mm. for the last 30 years of my life from Germany to Russia to the wars and everything. Mm. But the way that everyone gets along is to be open and honest with each other. Mm. And not, you know, because most people make their first thing is as judgment. Mm. You know, as soon as they see them and they go back into what they were taught related, relate, I mean, what they was taught. Mm-hmm. But um, if they just take the time and open up and just see, you know, that everyone is different in life and there's different things around this world. Mm. But if you get caught up into, you know, your own beliefs, you'll never be able to see what see the other sides are. Okay, yeah. Amen. Amen. Charlie Joe. And we take this time, guys, because there's there's... There's great theology here in saying, Lord, how can I be free to be who God wants me to be? But when you leave here, you're thinking, uh, so what does that look like? How do I go do it? And, and, and I, and I want to say that I think that this series is the most difficult for the doers. Because most of what we talked about hasn't really been what to do. It's who you are. Are you a kingdom-minded person? If, if, if Nate's challenged us to be kingdom-minded people is real, then we'll begin to let the, the fruit will begin to flow out of that as we say, Lord, I want to be who you've called me to be. If we realize that we are people who have filters, then the Lord will help us begin to remove those filters. You know, like if, if, if we recognize that this is who God calls us to be, then he will continue to equip us in how to do it, how, how to do it well. Um, so to follow up what you said last week, um, you said that um, kind of white people tend to ask a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I kind of followed up and asked one of the girls in the youth group um, what her thoughts was on that. And she confirmed it. She says, yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> so yeah, so I I think it's there is a healthy pursuit of asking questions to, 
to get to know this person and stuff. But mm-hmm. I think you also have to offer up um, some things that are not a typical conversation. You know, mm-hmm. something that you know they're like, wait, did they just tell me that? You know, they mm-hmm. they revealed that to me, and I really rarely know know this person. So mm-hmm. that's cool. So I think it's it's like a balancing act of both questioning and offering. You know, a piece of vulnerability to them. So, Amen. That's a good word, Joel. That's a good word. Okay. Pass it over So, this journey has been really cool for us as a family because I tend to engage in the culture, like, um, courageously and sort of just without thought. And so, um, that's kind of been what it is. It's kind of um, asking, I'm a question asker and so as as people begin to learn why I ask questions like I truly want to know who you are um, so I can understand it's really allowed me to the Lord has really worked on my heart with um, being able to balance like my reality of what I, how I think your life should be with the reality of how your life really is mm-hmm. and it gives you an, an opportunity to be able to um, like put yourself in their life like it's um, like for example, you have to just choose to live life with that person. So, so so and so is going to the dollar store. Well, maybe you don't shop at the dollar store, but go to see what the experience is. Like actually, put yourself in that situation for nothing more than to have the experience and show that person you're interested in their life. Mm-hmm. I don't even have to ask questions. Like when you just go, mm-hmm. and so um, that has been. If you like, if you have the opportunity, that is awesome. Just mm-hmm. to be able to say, oh, can I come with you? Mm-hmm. And oh, you want? Yeah, I want to come with you. Or can I come over? You know, mm-hmm. like it seems weird, but then you're genuinely putting yourself saying, I want to know about you. Like, I want to know, you know, mm-hmm. and, and ask questions. Like, be okay with asking questions. Yeah. So, Doing life. Yeah. That's great, sis. Okay, one last question from me, and then we had it. I think asking questions is always important. I work with a lot of Muslim people, and I find that for us, like in a group of mostly Muslim and mostly Christian people, we really find relating with each other, we find using comedy mm. is kind of the best way. So breaking down those barriers, you know, we usually can make light of what makes our community so different. Mm. Um, and it's not in a way that's like malicious, but it's in a way that I think we can really appreciate like, oh, this is different. Oh, you know, we found this YouTube video. Oh, that's hilarious. So this is how, and it really opens up dialogue. And then, you know, we're able to move into, let's go to this Lebanese place together, or you like soul food, so let's go here. So I feel that being able to laugh at our differences and not be malicious about it really helps Mm -hmm. as well. Amen. Amen. Yes. It's just very interesting that, like, we can, we can, um, I think cares word courageous, you know, is what what we have to be because it's not it's not simply like us doing life and kicking it because there's an end goal in Paul's mind. And so the question is, are you doing life with that with that end goal in mind? If so, let's praise him. You know? Because you can because we and and I think what Paul's trying to say is like on the outside, you see me, I'm trying to advance the gospel over this kosher meal. This other brother may not be. The same could be true for Mina. She could be trying to advance the gospel through using her humor to share life with this person, or she could not be. 
And sometimes we fool ourselves to thinking just because we are in the environment that that's enough. Just because I'm meeting with a Muslim, and I'm, I'm just taking your example, sis, but not, not putting you on the spot. You know, just because I'm meeting with a Muslim person, that's enough. I'm being, I'm being Christian. Paul would say that that's foolish. That, 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 that solely trying to live out the gospel only and not proclaiming is, is, is a dangerous slope to walk. And, and one of the slides I, I, I list like just Romans 1.16 and a, a number of verses where it's clear that he's saying, hey, you could go about engaging with culture, but make sure that there's a make sure that there's an end goal in mind. So I said setting versus settling in the sense that, hey, like the setting can dictate a lot. You know, the way a person, uh, the way you interact in an interview might be different than the way you kick it with your homies. That's okay. But, but you should be a person of integrity in both arenas. That, that shouldn't, you shouldn't compromise that. Is the freedom for you to indulge or for you to be able to be about kingdom? I, I say that, I'm going to use this example. Let's use the example of gambling. So let's say everybody, let's say, you know, ten of the men on your block every other Saturday get together and, and play poker. And they've, and they've been inviting you to come out. Can you, can you be about that for kingdom business? You think so? He says you can use that as an opportunity to be about kingdom business. For sure. You definitely can. You definitely can. I think we also, though, and this I think is something that happens with, with younger Christians, we can begin to say, well, because I have freedom, I can choose how far to get to the line before it's sin. You know? So let, let me go delight in gambling, because, hey, you can't really get on me. It's a stewardship issue. And I can kick it with the homies, do a little gambling, have a little fun. Who can really hold me accountable? See, is this freedom that Paul's talking about so that you can be a great servant in advancing the gospel? Or is it so that you may delight in some of the things that you enjoy? And, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying that not to get down on our people. Because really, like, I think our people do a great job at, at, at trying to advance the gospel. I do. I do. But we also have to be mindful of the temptations. We've got to be mindful of, of, the, of, of, of sin and how it subtly can creep in. <laughs> and before you know it, as I said earlier, nobody's, nobody's wearing jeans in church. Subtle, it subtly creeps in. So you can be about kingdom. Care? Okay. Mm-hmm. 
I'm saying, so your question is, hey, is, um, I wish I would have got your question on the mic. Um, say it one more time, please. Is the concern? Right. I'm saying gambling is an issue that can be uh, used to advance the gospel. Or it can be used as a hindrance in your life, in the other people's lives, or it can just be something that tempts you to, to indulge. I use gambling, but the reality is everything falls under this umbrella. Like what? Could it be sports? Sure. Sports could be healthy and fun. But it could be about you and what you're able to accomplish on the field. Or it could be about kingdom and how you can connect with your teammates for the sake of them getting a chance to hear the gospel. It could be about you just wanting to have fun. And I get that. But it also could be about gospel while you're having fun. You see what I'm saying? Like, like, and so that tension can always be there. I want our default to be, let's make it kingdom. Now, did you have a question? No, I oh. Couldn't you just say, like, hey, you keep inviting me? So, hey, you know, you keep inviting me to go gamble, you know, come over and play cards. I'd love to come watch. You know, and then just start being like, wow, you're really you know, No, I Play mean, the king of hearts. <laughs> play the diamond. No. <laughs> no, but I'm saying, like, if your conviction is gambling is a sin, okay, or if your conviction is gambling isn't a sin, but I'm erring on the other side. And someone's saying, you know, man, we, we really want you to come. I, with a clear conscience, I could go, hey, I'll be there Friday night. Can I just come hang out? You know, you know, fill up the chip bowl or something like that and be praying for the people and kind of be like, wow, you know, you've got some, some wisdom there. And I mean, without, <laughs> without wanting to egg it on, you know, yeah. but making the, uh, the acceptance of the mm. people, but saying, I, I can't participate. But that doesn't mean that I can't, because it's not what goes in the man that defiles the man, but it's what comes out of the man. I, I think that the issue that I want to make sure we're, I don't want any of us to get caught up in semantics of the, of the, of the right thing to say with an invitation. I want you to ask, if I engage with this, can I make it kingdom? If I can't, then maybe I shouldn't engage with it. Which is to your point, hey, if I struggle with drinking, then maybe I shouldn't go engage with a bunch of people at the bar because I might not be able to make that a kingdom experience. But if I don't, then maybe I do. And I go. And I, you guys getting that? Great, great, great. Thank you guys for sharing. And so, to the week, I became weak to win the week. I've become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might have some. The weak, these, these new uh, Corinthian believers, they're not deeply rooted. And so they're, 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 they're early, they're kind of weak in their faith at this point. 
and they're seeing Paul as this wishy-washy dude that's like sometimes with the Jews he acts this way and then with the Gentiles he acts this way. And you know how it is when you first became a Christian. You wanted a list of rules. What can I do? What can I do? What can I say? What can I say? <laughs> you know, you, you, wanted, you wanted to know. And as you open up the gospel, you continue to see that God's like, man, there is sin. And it's clear some sin is just n- not allowed. For sure. All sin is not allowed. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> But that, man, matters of the heart get way more messy. Way more messy. And so you do life with the Gentiles. Why can't we? Their behavior showed that they were struggling with being transformed and desired to delight in some of the old ways with their old friends. That's why they're, that's why they're mad at Paul. They're like, man... You kicking it with the Gentiles in this way. Why can't we? And he's like, because I'm about kingdom. You're not. If you were about kingdom, we'd all go together. So being distinct does not mean you have to create distance. You know, you can still do life with people. But but while you're doing life, like, are you one of the people that's laughing at the improper jokes going on? Are you are you high fiving people when something inappropriate is said? You don't have to be an outcast to be a person of integrity. You can be present in the midst of that and still shine and still and still be a light for Christ. If you model, if, if you try to just dictate and do exactly what Paul does, you're going to miss it. And that's where that chameleon part comes from. We're not, we're not trying to just be cool people. We're trying to be people who are mission-led by the king. If you want to model anything, don't simply model my behavior, model my passion, is what I feel like Paul is saying through these, through these words that he's writing to the Corinthians. So he's, he's trusting that he's going to be able to win, and, and I'm going to flip back. I'll do that at the end. Five times he mentions winning souls, winning them. Connect with the Jews so that they may be one. Connect with those who are weak so that, that, so that they may be one. But at the end, he says, all people, so that by all possible means, I might save some. Isn't that an interesting reality? That Paul would engage with all these different individuals knowing that all of them are not going to be saved. He doesn't say, so I'm only going to engage with a couple folk. I'll just, I'll just mess with the Jews because the Gentiles I don't know about. So I'm sure I'm just going to stick with the Jews. He doesn't say I'm going to be just selective with only a couple dudes. He says, man, like I'm willing to, to, to freely be a servant for all these people so that some would be saved. It's very interesting. I, I, hope, that it's, I hope that it's convicting that you can't change somebody. No matter how much love you put into them, how kind you are, no matter how many things you do, you can't change anyone. I can't change anyone. But we can trust that person into the care of God and know and know that ultimately he is in control. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. 
His purpose for engaging community. He's, he's got God. Paul is not looking at this and saying, I'm going to go connect with the Jews so I can get something in heaven. Like he doesn't see it as, as for the sake of getting something. He's seeing it for the sake of being able to lock arms with these Corinthians and say, now we jointly benefit in these eternal blessings. I'm so excited that I was able to, to, to dabble in these different cultures so that all cultures together could come into the kingdom. I don't do this to get something. I'm not, I'm not trying to rack up my, my gospel nuggets. I want you to be there with me, which is why I even towards the end of this, this chapter, um, he just tried to talk to them about him being in, enduring the race. I want you to get there with me. Be, be consistent in your passion for Christ. The, um, the, the, the proclamation and, and, and the sharing of who Jesus is within relationships is really important. And I know that last week we talked about befriending and doing life with people and sometimes just helping a person rake their leaves because their leaves need to be raked. So you might be sitting here and saying, well, Leon, last week you talked about serving and connecting with people. This week you're talking about having an end goal in mind. What, which one is it? Yes. It, 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 you, you don't, you, we don't get to choose. Doing, doing life isn't simply saying, I'll put the gospel on hold to hang out. Or that in being gospel-centered, I can't not talk about the cross. Because there are times when you can be gospel-centered and love and care for someone through service, even through conversation. And you not quote Romans 12, 1 through 2. But there's other times where you need to quote Romans 12, 1 through 2. And so we've got to be a people who are willing to step out of our comfort zones and go for that. I've been blessed to see some of you guys do it well. I think as we continue to do life, we can feed off of one another. I don't, I don't, think, I don't think we ever arrive at a point where we're comfortable enough proclaiming our faith. I think we can always do a, 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 a better job at that. Don't, don't, don't hear me saying that you're sucking at it. I'm not saying that. Not saying that at all. I'm just saying, man, in discipleship, I'm far more prone to sit with you and talk through issues and connect with you than we are to be outside connecting with others. And, and I want our default, our default to be able to say, well, Lord, we don't have to run out and go try to make up for it and find 20 different contacts because even in the relationships you've given me, I'm going to make sure that there's a missional component there. So if we didn't have to be out by one today, I was going to have you guys uh, do a little exercise. But what we're going to do is do it in our small and our mat groups this week. And uh, what I want to ask you to do is name a group of people that you can um, you can in- interact with. That you can, that whether it's, you know, your co-workers, man, type that wrong. Um, your co-workers, your neighbors, associates, friends, bowling league, whatever. Name a, name a group of people. Name a culture of people. Identify them. 
lists two norms of this group. Now, if you don't know the group yet, list how you might come to learn more about the group. And then list how you might use one of those norms to engage someone from that group with the gospel. And so what we'll do in our MAC groups is think through that. And uh, I actually would like to next time uh, share some of the things that you guys come up with. Because I, 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 think, I think it could be a great blessing to our body. Amen? So family, now we're going to shift to a time of tithe and offering. And I, we'll, uh, we can email this out during the week. Um, yeah, great. We'll put this on the website so that, so that everyone can access it. And during this time of tithe and offering, we want you to know that uh, we see this as a time of worship. If you are still trying to say, man, I don't really understand God or Jesus, uh, or maybe I do. Maybe I've just given my life, but I don't know how money works into that. Then we ask you, you keep your wallets and your purses to yourself. If you're a visitor, please don't feel obligated to give. Our desire is that you would use every component of your being to worship. And if you're still trying to understand what worship looks like from a financial standpoint, then, then don't. But if you do understand that, then feel free to give because these funds are going to go towards, God willing, uh, go towards us advancing his kingdom. Tithe brothers, will you come forth, please? I sound like the mafia. Tied brothers, come on. <laughs> Family, will you pray with me? Lord, we do thank you that, um, that you do give us opportunities to engage people every day. Lord, let us not, as sister said, let us not be chameleons, but let us be individuals who are willing to say, Lord, how might this opportunity you give me um, be one I can take advantage of for the sake of your kingdom. Convict our hearts, Lord, so that we would move past comfort for the sake of advancing your kingdom. And Lord, will you allow every dollar to go toward, to go to that end? Lord, I pray that your people would be people who tithe not because of uh, uh, feeling like it's a rule or feeling like it's um, you know, some that Lord, they were just tied with great freedom because you've given everything. Every dollar we have comes from you so that they would want to worship you through their giving, through our giving. Lord, may you use these funds in ways that we can't even imagine. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.